Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. What's up, guys? How's it going? You guys good? I'm so glad that you're here. Are you guys glad to be here? Just me? Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to be gathering with you today and super excited for week 12 in our, our series out of 1 John. Holy moly, it's been all summer. Anybody ready to be out of this book yet? It hurts my feelings every week. I just am ready to stop. Um, really excited. We got a couple of weeks left. We are in the last chapter of 1 John starting this week. You guys so pumped? The last chapter. And then we are starting a new series in the fall. I'm really excited. A new series called Starting Point. Everything has a starting point, including faith. And we're going to kick off a series over the, uh, the uh, weeks of um, September and October, really digging into maybe giving some of you a new starting point for your faith, and others of us helping us wrestle through where our faith started, what it looks like. Really, really helpful. If you have non-Christian friends, you, if you, or if you're personally just wrestling with faith or not sure where you, you know, land on the faith spectrum or why you believe what you believe, if you land in any of those categories, it's going to be a really, really helpful set of talks as we get in. So today we are going into chapter 5 of 1 John, but a couple of things before we get into it. I'm going to ask you a few questions just to kind of help you like evaluate where you are today, okay? Um, you know what? Before, before we go there, um, I just feel like I, I should share this with you real fast. Um, we really do value prayer here at City Church. We want to build a culture of prayer, and every week at 945, we gather together to pray before the services. We pray over you. We pray over um, God's activity in Boulder. We pray, pray over other churches, and specifically this morning we prayed over all of the activity in Afghanistan and for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and losing their lives for their faith, and we're praying for um, um, against the Taliban and, and uh, their plans, and there's a lot of things going on that we don't have time to cover in this very moment. I just want you to know that we, we prioritize that and we create space for it, um, and so if you have specific prayer requests, even you know, world-related, please use that, that connection card. Our staff, our team, we'd love to continue to pray. But also, man, you're invited to join us every week to pray at 945 as we really create space for that. And so I just want you to know um, that's a big part of what we do. And I don't want to get up here and, you know, be super excited about the conversation. By the way, I'm so excited. Okay, it's like a really big conversation. Um, but, but I don't want to pretend like, you know, we can sit in this when there's stuff like that going on in the world and, and act like we're going to ignore it, right? You guys with me on that? I just, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page that uh, we want to be present to everything going on around us. So uh, in, in light of that, let, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. Right now, just wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I realize like you could be here and you could be anywhere on your spiritual journey. Some of you are, are followers of Jesus. Some of you are brand new followers of Jesus. Some of you have uh, been following Jesus for a minute. Some of you are not really sure where you land on the Jesus conversation or what you believe or why you believe or, you know, maybe grandma believed and you're not sure what that means for you or, or, or maybe you like the idea of Jesus as a good person and some good teachings, but you're not sure like where Jesus and the church and what that means for you on a daily basis. So we have lots of different people coming together on different places in their spiritual journey and and while I'm going to do my very best to meet you where you are today, I want you to know that God is really, really good at meeting you exactly where you are. But first, we need to back up and ask this question. Just sitting right now where you are, what's your personal view of God? Like, like if someone were to come to you and say, hey, explain God to me, 
or explain your view of God? How would you answer that question? Or, or think about your view personally. You might not use these languages, but I made up a few just to help us kind of begin to articulate. So like maybe for you, God is like this absentee landlord, right? Like, like you're, you're, he's in charge, but absent. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And sometimes it's a little frustrating because you wish he would, you know, fix the thing that's broken, but he's not. Anybody got any abs? My, my neighbor literally is in there right now. She's like, all the time, my landlord doesn't fix anything that's broken, right? Some of us, like, God is like this absentee landlord, or maybe like God's like a boss to you. Like, like he's just a dude that tells you what to do. He's in charge, but you know what? There's a little bit of compensation for your work, right? You kind of, you know, doing the grind, and there's a little bit of reward at the end, maybe a bonus. You know, if we work really hard, there's a bonus at the end. For some of you, maybe God is like a judge, Right, he's just this grumpy dude with no hair sitting in a big chair and a gavel. I don't know why that's the immediate description, but that's just what I assume uh, um, God as a judge looks like. And so he's got the gavel, and he's got all of these lists, all of these rules, all these things you're supposed to do, but quite frankly, he's just waiting for you to mess up. Not only is he a judge with all the rules, but he's got the gavel in the air just waiting for you to drop the ball so he can just bring it down hard, right? Maybe God is a judge for you. Or maybe like, you know, you watch too much Star Wars, and God is just like an impersonal force, right? Like it's just God is everywhere and on all things, and it's just this, ooh, you know? Like, I don't know, right? Like what is God for you? How would you explain, how would you define, how would you articulate God? It's, it's a really important question, right? Really, really important for you. And I think in addition to answering it for ourselves, what's really, really helpful is today we're digging into a letter from a guy named John. John is Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet, who is now an old man writing to early churches and early Christians. Um, they're having some disillusionment and some challenges, and so he's trying to encourage them and bring them back to the most important things. And now in chapter 5, he's going to pick up a theme that he heard from Jesus over and over and over again. And so not only is it important to, to wrestle with, hey, what do you believe about God? Like, like, what's your personal view of God? But in addition, what about Jesus? Like, like if you just got a chance... To ask Jesus, like, hey, what's your view of God? Well, the good news is Jesus gave it to us over and over again. And Jesus would always talk about God as a father. As a father, right? His disciples come to him and say, hey, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray to this impersonal force. Teach us how to pray to this judge. God. Teach us how to, like, how, how do we talk to God? He says, yeah, let me help you. Our father in heaven. And I need you to understand, like, well, that might mean, you know, it might land different places for you and I as we come in together. This was like a radically revolutionary idea to talk about God as Father in the culture. I mean, so much so that, that eventually they killed Jesus for it. You guys are aware of that? Like, right? They crucified him because Jesus walked around saying, God is my Father. Over and over again. They're like, no, he's not. <laughs> over and over again, we would see this theme come up, Father, Father, Father. And here's why this is so important, okay? And, and again, you can take it from Jesus. I, I realize you're still going to wrestle with it personally on what, what you believe, why you believe it. All of that stuff is so important, so please don't just take my word for it. Wrestle with it yourself. But if we're going to take it from Jesus with God as Father, this is really important because when you understand who God is, it lets you know how to relate to him. Does it not? Right? B based on my understanding of who God is, it, it's going to determine how I show up. And some of you, can kind of be honest, right? Some of you have been around just religious traditions and, and, and there's this idea of God that's been built for you that causes you to live and behave and act a certain way towards God that is not quite in the fatherly disposition. You don't quite, you know, operate out of love and affection, but rather maybe fear and judgment and guilt and shame. You guys familiar? Or if that's not you, then you've got other people in your life that absolutely have an idea of God like that. 
when we understand who God is, it helps us know how to relate to him. Now, now there's a challenge, right? Because we live in a culture that, that does this dance around the father wound, right? Like, like the, 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 the father conversation is not always a good one. Some of you, you might have grown up and had great fathers, but, but the reality is uh, um, a majority of children go to bed tonight without one in our, in our country right now. Some of you had absent fathers. Some of you had abusive fathers. Some of you lost your fa- father at an early age. Right, we all have different stories, but, but sometimes when we bring up the idea of father and God as father, what it does is it can be a painful idea or a, a conversation, or it can be a confusing one. Right, we just didn't know, we don't know what to do with that language. And so today we're going to press into what it means for God to be Father when it comes to how Jesus would define it. That, that you and I, listen, regardless of what your earthly experience has been, you and I have a loving, a devoted, a present, an active, heavenly Father. All good, all the time. It's amazing. When Asher was born, Asher's our youngest, okay? I have two kids, five and three, Grayson and Asher. When Asher was born, they were both important, okay? But I'm going to talk about Asher right now. When Asher was born, uh, um, we were in the, in the delivery room, and Danielle just pops babies out like that. I mean, it's like just so quick, right? And so we're like trying to make sure he doesn't end up in the floorboard of the car, running to the hospital. We get in there, and we're there for like 20 minutes, and out comes Asher, right? But they have me there. And, 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 you know, dad gets to play a role. Woohoo, go me, right? I'm such a hard worker. And so I'm there, and they give me a leg, right, which is super cool. I'm like, great, I can do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a leg. And so I'm holding a leg, and, and, we're, and we're, you know, doing the pushing. And we're, it might be too much, but I didn't ask Danielle if I could share the story, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so okay, I'm holding the leg. We're doing the pushing, and, you know, and the pushing, I don't know if you guys have ever been around birth or not, but, like, the pushing, you know, ebbs and flows, right? It, it gets more intense and less intense. And so, you know, I'm, I'm our biggest cheerleader. I'm there, and we're pushing, and here comes Asher. And then, you know, it gets a little more intense, and then, you know, there might be some screaming and things like that, and, you know, that might or not be for me. I don't know, you know, where it's coming from, but it, there's one moment where all of a sudden, like, Danielle's, you know, she's doing her mom thing, and I'm, I'm there being a cheerleader, and I get a little dizzy, <laughs> I'm like, you know, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, you, well, this is too much work for me, okay, and so all of a sudden, I hear one of the nurses, yeah, dad's going down, <laughs> and so they sit me in the corner of the room and give me a cup of orange juice, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, Danielle's still pushing, little cheerleader from the sideline. You can go, babe. Woo, you're doing great. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. And, and, uh, and then Asher shows up. And you, and you know what? As a father, what am I listening for? What are the doctors listening for in that moment? Right? You want to hear that baby cry, right? It's the one time you want to hear a baby cry. <laughs> the rest of the time, you're like, please stop. <laughs> and in this moment, please cry. Right, what, why? You want to hear that baby cry out because it means they're alive. Let me help you with this analogy, okay? Because this is where John's going to go today. God is a father, and he wants to hear his kids cry out. Jesus has talked about it a lot, and John's going to talk about it again. There's this idea of coming into relationship with God as being born again, that you and I were born physically. And Jesus said that we, we have this need to be born again spiritually. And it's this moment when you and I cry out to God. It's that simple. It's crying out to God. And in that moment, we become children of God. We have a father. We, we get a family. I mean, it's this amazing thing that we get to talk about. But before we get into that, I, I just want you to wrestle with two questions today, okay? Because God loves to hear his kids cry out. But number one, it's not, don't, don't ask just the question, is God a father? It's an important one. But is God my father? Is God my father? And, and maybe you know that 
cognitively. Maybe that's a, a reality for you, but maybe you don't live out of it consistently. Or maybe you've never made the decision to cry out to God and trust in God and become a child of God. Today we're going to talk about that. The second question is, if God is my father, what does that mean for me? Practically, functionally, how does that carry out in my life? That's what we're going to talk about, okay? So, uh, three questions. Thanks, Charlie, for going back and forth here. Three questions that we're going we're gonna to walk through today, and they're going to help us answer kind of where we are and what we're going to do. So, number one, the first question is, what do you believe? What do you believe? And John's going to give it to us in verse one of chapter five. Check this out on the screen. Everyone who believes, this is John just repeating what he heard from Jesus over and over again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. You, you see it? He's talking about birth and belief here. Very, very simple. We're going to park here for just a second. I need you to understand something. No one has always been a Christian. This is really important, right? You have somebody, some people, you hear their stories, and you're like, oh, you know, I've, I've always been a Christian. I grew up in church, and, you know, my grandma's a Christian. I've always been a Christian. No one has always been a Christian. Impossible. Can't happen. Jesus made it incredibly clear that in order to become a Christian, we need to be born again spiritually, that you and I are born into this world dead spiritually. And we have to be born again. You guys with me on this? I mean, I, I know this is like, it sometimes can get a little heady, but it's not meant to be if you'll just think about it for a second. So, how does it happen? How do we, how do we become born again? Very simply, John tells us it's Jesus, okay? It's that simple. It's just Jesus. Jesus does something internally, and then it, it kind of starts to do things externally, and it affects us eternally, okay? Jesus does for us what we can't find anywhere else on the planet. And so trusting in Jesus, that's the very simple, that's what faith means. Faith is very simply another word for trusting in Jesus. We're at the pool with my kids, okay? And, and we go back and forth. They trust dad sometimes, okay? And so sometimes they're, they're like totally trustworthy, and they, they'll do whatever, and I'm in the pool, jump to me, jump to me, jump to me, and they'll trust me, and then I'll back up a little bit more, and all of a sudden, it's outside of their comfort zone, and they're like, oh, I don't know, you know, you know how it is, and I'm going to do that too, right there, just, okay, and, and, and then I'm like, Grayson, hey man, jump to me, and he, and he gets scared, and, I, and I'm like, hey man, do you trust me? Yes, dad, I trust you. All right, man, the jump. No, <laughs> right, okay, you see how this works, right, so, so trust has, has a connection with action. That, that's what we're seeing here. And so to trust in Jesus causes us to be born again, to be born of God. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be born of God? Literally, if we're born of God, that means you and I are children of God. You guys follow? I mean, that, that would be the natural relationship. Let me ask you a question. What do children want to do? They want to be like their parents most of the time, Right? Children want to be like their parents. So Jesus does something internally. It begins to show up externally. It affects our lives eternally. But, but it's this, man, I have a new father, and I begin to want to be like him. Does this make sense to you? This is the relationship. It's not a have to. It's a get to. Right now, my boys, they're, they're five and three, and like everything is I want to be like dad. And it's so cool, right? I'm like, yeah, you want to be like me? I'm awesome. Until I'm not. And I'm like, do not be like me. How scary, how intimidating, right? They're like, yeah, I want to be like you. And I'm like, ah, oh, we are in trouble. Don't be like me. <laughs> be like Jesus. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot of weight. But, right, kids want to be like their parents. If God is your father, then he does something internally that starts to create a desire in you to be like him. And I think desire is the right word. I don't want you to hear behavior and activity yet, Okay. It's, a, it's an internal change that results in external behavior, but not the other way around. 
Guys, this is like the most exciting thing on the planet, okay? Check this out. You and I spend so much time, we have a culture that spends so much time trying to change what we do, right? Anybody get frustrated with what they do, right? I, like I told the interns, uh, we had interns here a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, man, I would be so awesome if it wasn't for me. You, right? Like, like I get in the way of myself all the time. We try so hard to, to change what we do, but this was amazing. God doesn't just want to change what you do. He, want to change, he wants to change who you are, and when he changes who you are, it changes what you do. What this means is that when God becomes our father, if we can relate to him as a father, that, that we don't work for the father's love, but rather we work from it. It's, it's a different motive. And so this is awesome because not only do I get a new father, but I become a new person. Jesus doesn't just make us better. He makes us completely new. He makes us different. And so I'm a new person, and I get to live a new life, and I have a new father and a new family and a new identity, and I get a fresh start. Are you, you guys get this? I mean, this is the life that Jesus gives us. You can't get this anywhere else on the planet. This is really good news. Okay? And, and listen, listen. If you never had the moment, of trusting in Jesus. That's what's ahead of you. Don't miss it. If you have made the decision to trust in Jesus, that's the reality of who you are. Don't be defeated by your activity. Go back to your identity. Who does God say that you are? Who is God to you? Because listen, with God as a father, you're not abandoned. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You don't, you don't have to you know, work really hard to get yourself under control and create a name for yourself because you have a father and you're a part of a family and there's a name attached to that family and that father that's bigger than your name. It gives you an identity outside of yourself and it takes the pressure off. This is the best invitation on the planet. You and I live in a world of self-help and I love self-help, by the way, right? Like, it's so helpful to have some self-help because myself needs a lot of help. Um, but sometimes... Self-help gets in the way because, because self-help comes along and says, hey, here's how to change your life. A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z. You do these things, and voila, no more problems, except they're still there. <laughs> and you're like, okay, help. <laughs> that wasn't very helpful. God doesn't want to change your behavior. God wants to change your nature. That's what he does through Jesus. When he changes your nature... It changes your behavior. We're going to get to that, okay? Don't get stuck on, like, Jesus doesn't make us perfect, okay? So don't get stuck there. But he, he doesn't only say to believe. Charlie, will you throw that verse 1a back up? But he also says to believe that Jesus is the Christ, okay? Just so you know, Jesus Christ, like, Christ is not his last name, you know, just in case you were wondering, okay? It's not Jesus Christ, and, you know, use it as a profanity, but Jesus the Christ as in a title, okay? So this name, literally, in, the definition is in the name. What are we believing in? If Jesus is the Christ, which is what John brings us back to, you and I might not immediately understand that, but the name Jesus comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, and it literally means um, that God is my Savior, Okay, so Jesus, God, is my Savior, and the Christ, meaning the one, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one sent by God to save his people, to rescue his people. So literally, within the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, it means that he is our Savior. He is the one come to rescue us, to save us, to set us free, to give us new life. Does this make sense to you? In his name is what we're believing in. So very simply, starting off, okay, do you believe Jesus is the Christ. Like, 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 do you believe that sin is the problem, right? Because as soon as these come together, as soon as you recognize there's a brokenness inside of me that separates me from God, I am not alive spiritually, but I can be thanks to Jesus. As soon as you realize that Jesus is the hero of the story and he comes in to save and set free, that's the moment, boom, 
that you're born again. The second that you trust, it's that easy. If you believe and receive the good news. I need you to understand this because if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to remember that when you get discouraged by your activity. Because sometimes my activity might not look like my father, but it doesn't change my identity once I become a child of God. But in the same way, you have friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, people who are around you, who you're representing the love of God to, and you need to be able to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. And it's embracing this good news. So what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Right, that, that he's not just a way, that he's the way. He's not just one of, of many gods, he's the God. He's not just a good man, he's the God man. Right, what do you believe about Jesus? This is important and paramount. So the first thing we see is that, man, when we trust in Jesus, we receive God as Father. The second question I want to ask you is where do you belong? Where do you belong? Okay, so you, yeah, you wrestle that question. What do you believe? Based on what you believe, you can then ask the question, where do you belong? Check this out. Verses uh, 1b through 2, okay? John goes on. He, he just has a circular argument here. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. And so he starts with God as Father. He now moves to, hey, God has a family, and guess what? You're a part of it. Right? right? When you're married, you kind of just conveniently get some more family, whether you wanted to or not, right? You become a child of God. You conveniently get some family, including me. I know that's hard news, but uh, you're welcome, okay? I'm so glad, right? So John uses circular logic here that loving God and loving people are inseparable. To love God is to love people. To love people is loving God. He's saying that the commandments are connected. Why? Because a, a majority of God's commands are about how we treat one another, you guys understand that, right? I was having conversations this week, man, with one of my agnostic friends. Grew up in high school. He called me. He's just so confused about, like, faith and life and all these things. And he's trying to figure it out. And his biggest disconnect, his biggest disconnect was that he saw, quite frankly, I, I believe his grandfather was a pastor, a preacher, like, like, loved Jesus. And he's like, he had something I've never seen. He loved people, like, just in amazing ways. He said, but my dad was a Christian, but he didn't live like it. He says, I just have a hard time understanding that this is real when, when, when I had that experience growing up. And so we're trying to wrestle through how loving God and people, well, frankly, it shouldn't be disconnected, but sometimes they are, right? Gets us in trouble. And so John's going to use this, this circular argument, but I need you to understand, right? Grayson is our oldest, five years old. He doesn't get to look at me and say, Dad, I love you. I love being your kid. Like, it's so great being your son. But you know what? I really don't like Asher. I'm not gonna, he's not going to be my brother. Right? Sorry, dude. You don't get a choice in the matter. He's your brother, right? That, that's what it's like with the family of God, okay? That, that you and I are born into God's family. Not only we're adopted as children of God, but then we're also a part of his family. So, listen, if you made God your father, if you trusted in Jesus, then welcome to the family. It's a big family, by the way, and it's a good family. Like, listen, as a father, my job is to love my kids, and it's also to help them love one another, right? That's part of the thing that I'm teaching them. And so God is a father. Christians, we're his family. And, and listen, love comes from God. We talked about that last week. Love comes from God. This is not something we manufacture on our own. And so sometimes you're going to get in spaces and you're like, man, I just don't feel like loving. I don't feel like showing up, you know, to gather. I don't feel like being a part of a city group. I don't feel like going to serve Sunday. I don't feel like, I don't have it in me. And we looked at it last week. Like that, that, that's okay that you don't have it in you. You just got to go where you can get it. 
But God is the source. You go back to God. You borrow that love from God so that you can love other people. This is amazing. God loves you unconditionally. It's in a covenant relationship, meaning that God is consistent in his love for you regardless of your performance for, uh, you know, towards him or towards others. And so if you might say this, like, oh, man, I'm just like struggling to love God. And, and, I, and I would just encourage you, back up. Don't start with your love. Start with his. Right? Don't, don't start with how well you can. Start with how well he already has. Let the motive flip around. But let's, let's just be honest, okay? Um, when it comes to, to being a part of family and being a part of what God is doing, like, super amazing. Um, but can we just be transparent? Like, family is annoying sometimes. Right? So listen, you, you, can, you can love people without always liking them. <laughs> okay? You, you, can, you can continue to show up in love even if there's some tension. That you don't always like the family that you're around, but you still show up and love them. Why? Because love is sometimes a feeling, but it is always a choice. And, and what, what John is getting at is, that, man, if we have come into this amazing relationship with God, and that we are loved people, when we get that into our identity, I'm a loved child of God. You know what happens? Loved people are loving people. But we've got to make sure that we separate it from, you know what, my feelings don't always follow. So I've got to lead the way with action, with choice, and hopefully my feelings will catch up. And so listen, City Church is a family. And we're grateful for what God is doing. And you're invited into this family. And I need you to understand, every time we gather, we love to gather. It's so awesome that we get to gather. Every time we gather together on the weekends, you get to look around and he's like, wow, look at, look at God's family. Look at all the people that God loves. Look at all the children of God. Look at all the people that I get to show up and love every week. That every week, God, God not only wants me to be encouraged by others, but I get to show up and serve and love and give. And, and again, even if I don't always like them, right? Listen, we have six staff on our team and we don't always like each other, right? Most of them don't like me, right? They only keep showing up because I pay them. I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, but, but, but seriously, right? Like, like, you live life long enough together, and you're going to have conflict. But love pushes past that. Thank God <laughs> that he loves us like that, right? Because there's definitely some conflict at times. One of the greatest expressions of God's love on the planet is our love for his kids, James, the brother of Jesus, said it. John said it multiple times. You and I can't say that we love God if we don't love our brothers and sisters in front of us. This is the biggest disconnect for the unbelieving world around us. And it's the biggest, it should be the biggest disconnect in our own lives. That we shouldn't ask, what do I have to do? But rather, what do I get to do? What does love require of me? That's the question I like to ask. I need you to understand that God is not in heaven looking at you and me and say, man, I'm, I'm just feeling so unloved right now. I just, I really need someone to love me. Right? God, God, doesn't, God doesn't need your love. But I think God, as a father, is in heaven looking at us, saying, you know what? I, I, I don't need your love. My love is good for you, and you need my love. But I've got a lot of kids, and they need your love. Every weekend when you gather, every time you're in a city group, Every text, every phone call, every moment when you pray for them. I've got a lot of kids who have a lot of needs, and I'm going to use you to love and serve them. And I think at the same time, God as a dad, Jesus would use these, these parables and these conversations of like, God as a father who has lost kids, 
And there's some kids who he's just waiting to come home. And part of it is that God is looking at you as a child of God saying, listen, I'm going to send you to them so that you can tell them how much their father loves them. So they can come back home. Over and over again, God is not only wanting us to love his family, but to build his family. That's the invitation. So welcome to the family. The third question that John gives us is how do you behave? So if God is a father and you have a family, then how, do, how does that affect our behavior, okay? But before you get like sideways on this, I, I need you to understand that the emphasis here in this question is how, not behave. How do you behave? Where does it come from? Where's the motive? Where's the power? Where's the source? We get weird about this sometimes. We want to like disconnect behavior altogether, but behavior matters, right? Like, like if, if you think it doesn't, then just like try this this week. This is non-spiritual advice, but I'll give it to you. Just be a jerk and be selfish to everyone in your life all week and see how it goes. Tell me if behavior doesn't matter at the end of the week. Your behavior matters, but the motive, the source, the power from that behavior matters even more. Check this out. Look at this. This is amazing. John says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But our faith in who? It's in Jesus, right? That who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? What he's talking about is, is this disconnect. When it comes to our behavior, that we want to get it right. We don't always get it right. Now, how do we do this dance? Where does it come from? Where does the power come from? How do we keep showing up and loving others and serving others? The first thing he says is that the love of God does something in us that it makes following him not a burden. Where are you, Seth? Come here. Seth, you come up here, and then Daniel, you come up here. Put your hands together for Seth as he makes his way up here. Come on, hurry. Way to go, Seth. I need you to understand, listen, religion shows up. Seth, you stand right here. Religion shows up, and, and it says, hey, I want you to carry this, okay? This is, these are some, some rights, some rights to follow. And then, oh, hey, hey, don't forget about some wrongs to avoid, right? And religion says, hey, you carry these. You don't, you don't mess up. Right, it's not too bad, right? Seth, you got that? Like, you know, he's working out, so like, you know, this is feeling pretty good. Right, but I just need you to carry that all the time. Don't drop it, okay? I mean, I know you're really trying, but if you drop it, you know, you, you might go to hell. Um, you know, that's, that's religion, okay? But hey, hey, don't forget. So you got some rights, you got some wrongs, but don't forget, there's a bigger list of wrongs, okay? So here you go, there you go. Rights and wrongs, and wrongs and wrongs, and then some dues. Don't forget about your dues. Oh, 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 and, and your don'ts. <laughs> Forgot about those, okay. Uh, rights and wrongs, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. Re religion comes along and says, hey, I need you to carry these. Every day, every week. And you and I, we start to feel the pressure of religion on our lives. And we say, it's, it's getting kind of heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you better not drop any because, you know, um, God's not going to love you if you do. And so just hold on to those. And religion comes along and, and it starts to feel like a burden. I chose small bricks <laughs> so that Seth could stand here longer. But the reality is it begins to crush us. And Jesus shows up and he says, no, no, no. Give me that burden. Give me that. Jesus, I'll take the burden. You can have my blessing. He said, I'll go to the cross. You can have the kingdom. 
Jesus shows up and says, I'll, I'll, I'll take it all, and I'll give it all to you. All the life, all the grace, all the freedom. Thanks, man. Get your hands together for Seth. Religion, religion shows up, and it takes what could be a good thing, and it turns it into a bad thing. That the behavior itself is not the problem. The motive of behavior is what we really got to look at. Re religion takes the, the, the good things that we get to do and turns them into the bad things that we have to do. So I need you to listen to me, okay? Jesus is not inviting you into religion. He's inviting you into a relationship where you have a father and you have a family. And because of what Jesus does in you and what he wants to do through you, you have freedom the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that he's called you to, but it's not meant to be a burden. It's an invitation to this amazing life. Listen, you don't have to pray. You don't have to gather. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to worship. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to give financially. You don't have to join a weekend team and serve. You don't have to show up on Serve Sunday. You don't have to go to a city group. You don't have to neighbor intentionally and share your faith. You get to. You get to. It's like looking at my kids and saying, you have to eat your dessert. You will enjoy this vanilla ice cream with sprinkles. Stop. What are you doing? Have to. You get to. It's got sprinkles. It sells itself. You know, you get to. It's this invitation to love God, the overflow. Jesus changes us at the deepest level that he begins to produce in us a desire. He gives us, I told you earlier, a new nature, born again, spiritually alive. And Jesus gives us the how-to and the want-to. I need you to hear me. Listen. While our activity might be inconsistent at times, right? We might, we might have sin in our lives. Sinner is no longer your identity once you trust in Jesus. Sinner might, sin might be your activity, but child of God is your identity. And here's the amazing thing, is that this new freedom is meant to be cultivated. Jesus plants seeds deep down into your heart and mind that are meant to grow. He says, you abide with me and your life will produce much fruit. It's going to produce fruit that looks like your dad. Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I'm going to produce those things in you. How many of you could use some of that? More of that? You say, yeah, man, I need that. And he's saying, listen, there's a desire deep down inside of you. Sometimes you have these surface level desires that get in the way, don't they? Some desires that distract and discourage and, and, and hinder our relationships with other people and with God. He says, that, man, but listen, dig down deep at your core, at your nature, because of who Jesus has made you to be, you have a desire fueled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be who he's created you to be. And there's this conviction that follows, and so it's why we get into community and say, man, help me cultivate the right desires in me. The, 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 that love is the motive, not guilt and shame. So a couple of questions for you as we end our time. Because of Jesus, I guess they're not questions, maybe they're statements. Because of Jesus, God is your father. God is your father. Let me ask you a question. Have you made the decision to trust in Jesus? Have you cried out to God and made him your father? Today, in this moment, I'd encourage you. It's a prayer away. Jesus, I trust you that you died for me to forgive me of my sin and rose again so I can have a relationship with you. However you want to pray that prayer, you can cry out to God today, and boom, you're in the family of God. You have a new nature. You're born again. Is God your father? If he's your father, how's that relationship going? How's the daily walk? Are you abiding? Are you intimate? Are you spending time with him daily? Are you present with him and other people? How's it going? 
We have resources for you to help you cultivate your relationship with God on a daily basis. Don't do that alone. Let us know on your connection card if we can help you. But not only that, man, you have a family. How's that going? Are you connected to his family? Are you showing up as a contributor or a consumer? Are you showing up at all? Are you showing up consistently? It's hard to love those around you when you're not there. Are you showing up to give or are you showing up to get? You get to do this. You get to be a part of this. This is his family and he wants to love in and through you, right? Listen, if you're not serving, join a weekend team. One of the best ways that you can show the love of God is by serving others. We have city groups kicking off in the fall. I highly recommend you get into one because circles are better than rows. So this is great, but the shoulder to shoulder does not give you the opportunity to look someone in the eyes and to show them love in a way that you can in a group. And lastly, because of Jesus, you have freedom, a new nature set free to live free. So here's my question, man, who's helping you cultivate those right desires? You can have a new nature that's uncultivated. You can have good seeds in the ground and not being watered. Who's helping you cultivate the right desires? Can I can, ask the real question? What's, what's like distracting you and numbing you? For about two months now, I get to the end of my day. Spend time with Jesus in the morning, grind all day, get to the end of my day. And I got a couple options. I can be present, I can, I can reflect on the day, I can feel all the things. Or I can binge Netflix. <laughs> and there's moments, man, where I would rather avoid and ignore what's going on inside of me and around me than deal with it. And the only thing that helps me get out of that rut is the people around me that I invite into my life to hold me accountable, help me cultivate those right desires. Let me ask you a question. What is something that you know you need to do today that you've been pumping the brakes on? Because his commands are not burdensome. Right? Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to join a group. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe it's a neighbor you need to talk to. Maybe it's a phone call you need to make. Maybe it's an apology you need to extend. What is it today that you need to do out of the love of God? I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads with me right now. And, and this is a moment of reflection for you, okay? So, so just right now, you're bowing your heads, closing your eyes with me. And I want you to reflect on God's activity in your life today. You have a father. You have a family. You're set free. You have freedom. So what's your next step? Right now, in this moment, would you just take a moment and reflect on what God's been doing today? Have you taken the step? Have you allowed Jesus to become your father? I'm sorry, have you, have you trusted in Jesus so that you can have a father? Maybe you do that right now. Maybe there's something you've been holding on to that Jesus is asking you to give up. Maybe there's something going on that you need to ask help with. And after the service, God wants you to go talk to somebody. Say, hey, would you help me in this area? Maybe you need to take some next steps in joining this family. God, whatever it is that you're doing in the room right now, we, we just want to create space for you. That motive would, would, would get deep down into our hearts that you're our father. And it helps us to understand how to relate to you. So would we come to you every day every hour, would we, would we allow that affection to bring us back to you? But not only that, God, we have a family that we get to love, that we get to serve, we get to show up with and grow with. God, and this family has a mission. And what an honor it is that you want to build your family through us. 
that heaven would be more crowded because of us, that we have friends, relatives, neighbors, coworkers, all around us where we live, work, and play, and you want to use us to shine that light, to show your love in tangible, simple ways. God, would you use us? And God, we have freedom. And some of us, man, we are so burdened by religion and this idea of what we think it means to follow you that we are not experiencing freedom. And right now, God, for anyone who has been crossing the wires on what it means to have a relationship with you, would you remind them right now that your burden is easy and light. That you took the burden. You bore the cross in our shame so that we can have life now and forever. And that freedom came with a new desire. The desire to be like our dad. And some of our behavior and some of our activity, it's annoying, it's irritating. We just want to see change. We want to get over that. We want to get away from that. And so right now, I pray for your Holy Spirit's power in their life to give them a next step that they'd press into the deeper desire of their new nature and not settle for instant gratification in the moment. That they would invite other people, other children of God, that they would invite their family into their life to say, hey, I need some help here. Because, man, James, the brother of Jesus, he said that when we confess our sins to one another, we find healing and freedom. So Jesus, do what you want to do today. We give it all to you. At this time, as the band leads us in worship, I, I'm going to also invite you to take communion. And this is a moment when we reflect on the love of God, that Jesus is sitting in a room with his disciples, and he takes bread, and he breaks it before he goes to the cross, and he looks at them, and he hands it to them and says, I want you to take this and eat it, because this is my body being broken for you, that I'm going to take the burden in your place. The death you deserve to die, I'm going to die for. And that same evening, he took the wine, he passed it around, and he said, I want you to drink this because this is going to be the blood of my covenant. And I'm doing this in your place for you so that you can be adopted into the family of God. And so we take communion weekly to remember, to reflect, to let that gratitude fill us, to let it change us, to get the motive right. And so there are stations for communion in the back of the auditorium. You go straight down these aisles. There's gluten-free and regular options. There's wine and grape juice. All of that's on the table. It's self-serve. And so as the band is leading us in this next song, you just respond appropriately. That if you're a follower of Jesus, if God is your Father, then go and remember and reflect and let that sit deep inside of you as we worship. That Jesus did all of the work and we got paid for it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, we just ask you to, to not, not take communion, but reflect on what that might mean for you. That that same sacrifice was made for you. And you would, if you've not given your life to Jesus today, that you would take that step today. Let me pray for us and we're going to sing. God, thanks so much for this incredible opportunity to gather. Thanks so much for the reminder that you're a good father. Have your way with us today. Man, whatever you want to do, do it. May our hearts and minds be open to you. In Jesus' name.